Hey, hey, thanks for tuning into another episode of Moments with Ndero, where I hope to encourage you, inspire you, and uplift you. Today's guest, I cannot wait to have this conversation with him. He is born again, a husband to one wife, father to one son. George works in the infrastructure private equity space for Frontier Energy, a fund manager that focuses on originating renewable energy projects in sub-Saharan Africa. He is passionate about creating ecosystems in Kenya and across Africa in which Africans can become more self-sufficient, have wealth creation platforms, and are able to create a family-centric environment that can start to change the world as we see it. Welcome onto the show, George. Oh, thank you, Mudani. It's such an honor to, to, to grace your platform. Thank you. So before we dive into the word that you selected, yeah. how is 2020 treating you? And yeah, what takeouts do you have for this year? So, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, have said that it's been an extremely tough year and a year where everything has, you know, gone upside down. But if I'm honest, it's been a, such a blessed year, you know, by God's grace for myself and my wife, we've kept our jobs, kept busy, um, you know, our family has kept safe and healthy. We, you know, haven't been, you know, had anyone directly negatively impacted by, by, by COVID. Uh, you know, there's still been uh, fruitfulness and, you know, so I thank God that 2020 has been a good year for me, even though that may not be the same story for, for everybody else. Um, so I, I know that there's a lot of grace and uh, thanksgiving for that. That is good to hear, yes. Thanksgiving and, um, you know, you sometimes we cannot take that for granted. And we know that there are other people who have a different story, but that doesn't mean that we can't have something to be thankful for. I think being alive and being able to face each day is worthy of thanksgiving. Now, before we change gears, yes. if you could turn back time, where would you go and why? Oh, okay. So if I could uh, go back in time or change time? Go back in time. If I would go back in time, uh, I think I'll go back to university. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll go back to, to university. Uh, and it's, uh, well, we'll see. I think the reason I'll go back to university is because that's where a lot of mistakes are made. Yes. But also, where I also learned a lot. So, you know, the question would be, would I still be the same person I am today if I hadn't gone through all those uh, ups and downs? But I think uh, I'll go back to university with my current mindset. I felt that I just didn't have a strong identity then. Mm. So I did a lot of things that I didn't really want to do. Mm. But, but because of the peer pressures and just not knowing who you are, yes, I went through a lot of experiences that I think I just did not need to, have to go through. So touching on identity, you mentioned that you didn't know your identity when you were in university. And yeah. now, that now you have a strong sense of identity. Could you take us through how you got to this point where you have a strong identity? Yeah, so I think, you know, growing up, uh, I grew up in, in Kenya and, you know, most people have this story. I had a very, uh, uh, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a, you know, both my parents then, I thank God that, you know, I went to good schools and, and, and uh, you know, 
good opportunities, but it was also, you know, I had a strict father. And sometimes, you know, when you're young, you, you, you don't understand discipline. And what it did for me is that when I did well in school, uh, you know, you got your gifts, you got presents, you know, you're rewarded quite handsomely. But when things didn't go so well, uh, you know, it's things were sort of taken away, you, you know, not just discipline, but it was quite harsh. So growing up, you know, I always felt that this thing called love was very unpredictable mm. because what I felt exposed to at the time was conditional love. Mm-hmm. So when I was, as a teenager, I started to, you know, the way I would see it is that love is too too vulnerable, too unpredictable, that you rather keep it aside and, and keep it at arm's length. And, and in essence, then, you know, more of a, a chameleon is how I, I saw it, that depending mm-hmm. on who I'm talking to, I, I'll adjust to them. Mm-hmm. And always keep in mind, everyone at an arm's length. And it's, you know, at the time, it, it felt like it worked because, you, you know, you don't get frustrated or disappointed by people because everyone is always at an arm's length. Mm-hmm. And it appears to work, but also then the older you get, you realize that there's an emptiness. You know, trying to live a, a life without love is, is, is difficult. So, you know, I did this all the way till, uh, what, 20, 2014. Yeah. And that's is where, you know, because growing up in Kenya, everybody knows God, everyone goes to church, but uh, I, I didn't consider myself, you know, born again from the perspective that my life was my own. Mm. But in 2014, for the first time I felt, I felt love. When I when I received Christ and that changed everything mm. because now you know I feel when you receive love you receive strength because you're not so scared now of your heart being broken mm. or you're not so scared about people's expectations for you mm. that you realize you don't really have to keep everybody at an arm's length and mm. then that then also allows you not to be a chameleon anymore because you can be just the same person there there was a new freedom I could be George all the time. You know, as opposed to being, you know, George point one, George point two, depending on who I was talking to. Mm. I could be myself all the time. I didn't have to keep appearances and keep up appearances and, and you know, keep up the different uh, shades of the chameleon. I, I could be myself. So that's 2014 is when I started to find my identity in Christ. And, you know, there's a song by uh, the, the artist has escaped me, but he says, you know, God is, I'm a good, good father. Yeah. Uh, um, and, you know, he says, it's who he is, and I'm loved by him. It's who I am. And when you realize your identity is not based on what you do, it's based on that, the fact that God loves you, then it means it doesn't matter what's happening. It doesn't matter if it's raining or snowing or you're employed or fired or whatever's going on. Mm. It's not based on what you're doing. Before, my identity was based on what I was doing. So when I was when I was doing well, my identity was strong and secure, but... When I was not doing so well, my identity was fragile. Mm. And so finding a strong, true identity in Christ gave me a stability that I've just never had. And I haven't looked back since. That's good to hear. You touch on something so um, powerful, grounding yourself in Christ and finding yourself in Christ, because that's where our identity is. And it's it's indestructible because he sits in majesty and in victory and everything about you is at that point, you know, seated in majesty and indestructible. And, you know, 
At times we forget that we are fearfully and wonderfully made by him and we're his masterpiece. So how do you ensure that, no, the, the world is noisy, that the world doesn't seep into your heart and spirit and distract you from that position of, you know, stability in Christ Jesus? Well, it, it starts with a relationship, right? And, and, and this is how it was before, is that people look at God either two ways. Mm-hmm. There's God the President and God the Father. So, you know, if you think about it, is imagine uh, we all know our president of this country, President Uhuru Kenyatta. We, we know all about him, right? Yeah. We know uh, where he's from. We know his parents' names, his children, and we know what he likes, what he doesn't like. And everyone around the country can have a gossip, uh, you know, column about what they think they know about the president. Mm. And it could be truth and lies, but when you're stuck in traffic on a Monday morning, I can't call on the president. Mm. Though I know all about him, but um, now if I was the son of President Uhuru Kenyatta, yes, I may still know all the other stuff, but my access is completely different because of the relationship Mm. that I have. And so for me, what I've learned is when I received Christ, I started to not just to read the Bible, but to read the Bible from the perspective that this is my father I'm reading about. So that I'm reading about my father who I have access to, so that when I started to read the the Bible and the promises in the Bible, I started to say, these connect me, right? Because mm. I have a relationship with the person that has been spoken about here, as opposed to reading about a president who, yes, the president is still very important for this country, determines the laws and the, the rules, and if we were to have a holiday on Monday, he'll, give, he'll pass that law and benefit us, but because I have no no relationship with the president. Mm. It's very hard for me to call on him when I need him at a personal level. But but when I look at God as a father, like President Uhuru's son, if you're stuck in traffic and you needed a helicopter to be called, he could do that mm. because of the relationship. So by building on this relationship, I said, okay, now I need to start to know who my father is. And I read the word about my father and it starts to build and I start to speak with my father. You know, I've been married for, for four years now, right? Um, if I spoke to my wife four years ago before we were married, or, or maybe even six years ago, if I told her, let's move to Langata and stay there, mm. she'd say, say, who are you? Mm. I, you know, get away from me. But if I was to tell her tomorrow we're moving to Langata, she, she'll say, yes, uh, you know, what you're thinking? But she, she'll say, I trust you, and let's move, because we've built a relationship in the last four years. So. For me, the way I keep grounded is building this relationship and it's living. It's a constant thing. You can't build it once and say it's already built. Mm. It's a constant conversation. And again, you know, when someone who's married, you realize that you have to keep in rhythm with your spouse, your husband or your wife. You have to be in rhythm together. The moment you're out of rhythm, then that's when the challenges of marriage can start to happen. So the same thing with my faith. I have to keep in rhythm with with where God is. And as long as we're in rhythm, then I'm out of rhythm with the world. All the challenges that are in the world, I'm in rhythm with, with God. So I think at the end of the day, we have to choose what we want to be in rhythm with. We can be in rhythm with CNN and all these news stations and what's happening in America and the UK and COVID. And, or you can be in rhythm with what, what God may be saying in your life. You just have to choose. Uh, you have to choose what to be in rhythm with. Yes, you raise a good point. You have to choose what you want to be in rhythm with. 
So to switch gears, your word yeah. is ecosystem. That's such yeah. a big word. And me being an entrepreneur, I've had it so many times in different conversations. You know, the ecosystem for entrepreneurs is X, Y, and Z. And obviously, you being a private equity fund manager, um, Africa right now is really struggling or rather has challenges in finding funding for startups and, you know, SMEs to grow. So tying in with the ecosystem, how can the ecosystem be more vibrant for not just um, entrepreneurs, but also individuals as a whole? Yeah, so, you know, when, when you told me about the think of a one word, many different words came up, but I kept going back to the word of ecosystem and what it it truly means, especially from a business commerce perspective. Mm. Now, this year I've had a few friends of mine who've gone into business. And the first thing they tell me is that it's so tough. Mm. It's so tough to go into business because you don't have your clients mm. to build up a client base. And it doesn't matter what you're doing, whether you're going into as an auditor or you're in the food business or in media arts, entertainment, whatever it may be. They just, the first thing that they always are challenged is, is clients. They say the few clients I have sometimes after I finish the work, they don't pay me. And they say the first five to 10 years is so difficult. But when I look at other societies, right, if I look at uh, maybe it's uh, the Kenyan Indians or, or the Somalis, it's a, it's a bit different in the sense that when someone starts a business, that there's already a community behind them mm. that has an interest in that business succeeding because there is an existing ecosystem that surrounds that individual. And the ecosystem is not necessarily, you know, the ecosystem we normally talk about in businesses, like, uh, you know, you're, you have your, the word is failing me now, but in essence, you know, a value chain of saying, you know, uh, the ecosystem of my business, maybe if I'm a farmer, I've got the guys who grow, you have the logistics, you've got the supply, uh, there's the marketing. I'm talking more of an ecosystem of the people that are around you. Mm. Because this life is so difficult if the people, you do not have a society, a community that is standing behind. Mm. And I sense that for there's, uh, there's this uh, notion that everything we need is outside of us. And we always complain, like, if only I had this opportunity, if only I was born in this family, if only this or that. And there's a sort of a scarcity mentality, though, saying, I, if only I, I had enough. Mm. But when we start to think about the word ecosystem, of saying that, you know, generally an ecosystem is is where you you look from a biology perspective. It's, it's a carrier of life. Within an ecosystem, there's life that thrives within that system. And that's what I sense that we, start, we need to start to build as a community ecosystems where things start to thrive within these ecosystems. The example I always love is that if I have a friend who's starting to bake uh, cakes, as an example, they want to start building baking cakes. If she's this lady, let's call her one boy, is part of our ecosystem, we all then say, fine, guys, for the next few birthdays, we're all going to be buying our cakes from one boy because mm. she's part of our ecosystem. We're going to start to support this business. We're not going to be buying our cakes from Carrefour or Java. Mm. We're going to start to buy our, cake, our cakes from one boy because we're going to support someone. She's one of our own. We're going to support this business. Now, it doesn't mean that when one boy cooks a terrible cake, 
we all accept it. Mm. There's still accountability within the ecosystem and building up and then there's improvement, there's feedback. But within this ecosystem, we start to support our own and each other because we think, how, how can we start to leverage our ecosystem? How do we start to leverage our community? But it starts first from us being united, being together. Mm. And that's the ecosystem that you know, I wanted us to, to talk about. It's just a place where we are all coming together to say we're going to support each other. But we're, but not going to just say it by word of mouth or you know just by tongue in cheek. But truly, how do we start to build systems and structures within this ecosystem to allow for, for it to thrive, for it to, to work together, and for it to be financially successful as well and entrepreneurially successful uh, to start to shift uh, things around us. Yeah, you know, being in that um, space of business, when you mention five to 10 years, you're just like, "Where? those are the hardest, hardest years. And for someone who's, you know, in the early stages, you know, they might be asking who's within my community that I can reach out to. And they might reach out to maybe person Z. So like in this example, Wambui might reach out to Susan. But then they might not have, or rather Wambui might not have an interaction that's positive. So how do you yeah. encourage Wambui to not look at Susan in a negative light and to just tell herself, you know, there's person Z who come along who will, you know, partner with me or walk this journey with me? And, and that's, that's the difficulty is that, you know, we have to find our, our right ecosystem and, or fellowship or whatever you want to call it to community because for it to work, for a type of system like this to work, there has to be trust. I must be able to trust the people in my system. Mm. And if one boy doesn't trust Susan or, or if she feels that Susan is not being either been fair or, or transparent, that's then the system doesn't work, you know, and that's the challenge that we have is that the people who are meant to be looking after you today are the same people who may be bringing you down. Mm-hmm. And that's, that will always be a challenge. And, and that's the thing we have to start to say, how do we build these systems or these ecosystems around us that are true? And it can be fake. So what I mean by that, it can, or said in another way, the purpose of the ecosystem can be to make money. Mm. What it it requires, we have to have all have the same value system. Yes. Right? Because if it's about making money, the moment we're not making money for whatever reason, things start to fall off, right? But if it has to be based on things that can remain consistent. Mm. And it's a, it's our value system that remain consistent. You know, so if one boy, you know, goes and interacts with a Susan that is not straightforward or has she has a bad encounter. My advice is one boy has to start to, she has to, she has to spend the right time to say, where is my ecosystem? Mm. And and maybe then, you know, bringing a bit of even more conscious to this, maybe there has to be certain people within society, certain leaders within society that have to have the responsibility of creating this ecosystem. Because to be fair, if you look at Nairobi, this is, you know, where we are from. Not many people have ecosystems, right? True. The closest thing you may have is Chalmers, but true ecosystems, they don't exist. And maybe there's an onus on one or two people, even maybe someone listening to this this, this podcast is, 
there's a responsibility on you. There's a, a tug in your heart to say, okay, how do I create this ecosystem? What is the purpose of this ecosystem? Because if, you know, if I sort of connect this back to the word is a verse that was released um, two or three years ago, uh, Reverend Teresa used to have uh, this conference, annual conference, and she invited a, a Bishop McClendon mm-hmm. uh, to it. And he released a word over the nation, or a word of Revelation 11:15, and it says, "You know, uh, the kingdoms of this world shall become the, the kingdoms of God and His Christ." Mm-hmm. And when we start to talk about the kingdom of God, what that really represents is it's meant to represent the church, but with influence. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that the church has to start to build itself, not as a church as a building we go on Sundays, but the church becoming an ecosystem. Mm. An ecosystem that where things stay within the system so that the church is not just a place we go to get a word on Sunday. But this is gonna become my community, my ecosystem, where our businesses are gonna to start to be birthed and thriving. Well, you know, maybe we start a church, you know, Mugoni starts a church obviously led by the spirit and it's called uh, uh the mountain you know mountain ministries and mm-hmm. and we're a group of 50 to 100 people within this but as we start to spend time on this church not just a place we go on sundays right we we try to meet more regularly than that because the reality is for an ecosystem to thrive people have to be within the ecosystem you can't be keep going in and out of it mm-hmm. but if we all spend time within this ecosystem, start spending time to build each other and build our communities to build our businesses. What's going to start to happen is one uh, uh, boy started baking, now she has a food company. Yeah. And maybe Kamal started a school. Beatrice started a hospital. And what's going to start to happen is that the people outside of the ecosystem are going to see, wow, things in that ecosystem are functioning so strongly. Mm-hmm. I want my children to go to that school started in that ecosystem. I want to, you know, my mother has cancer. She's a cancer treatment. I want her to go to that hospital because things just work in that ecosystem. And what's going to happen is this ecosystem's influence within society is going to start to grow. Mm-hmm. And once that influence starts to grow now, when things are happening in Nairobi, you know, the mayor, the governor, the senators will say, okay, because that ecosystem are united. And when I say united is that there's a systems and structures in that ecosystem that says that, okay, maybe the example you gave of Sarah was treating people badly, right? Yeah. So with it as an ecosystem, we'll decide well, no, no one is going to do business with Sarah anymore. Mm. There's a unity of the system that says that Sarah, because if she's refusing to align to the way we operate, she's blackballed for whatever reason. Mm. And when people see that, they say, okay, wow, if I want to interact and engage with this ecosystem, I know that there are certain things that then are expected of me that I, I must align to. And that starts to continue to grow the influence mm. of this ecosystem because if I'm honest, the true purpose of the ecosystem at the end of the day is to change culture. And it will make it a bit more about faith is in the Bible, there's a phrase called ecclesia. Mm. So ecclesia, what it is, it's a Roman word, right? And what it represents is that whenever, during the Roman times, when there were a world power, 
when they'll take over a, a land or a nation or an area, they'll call it an ecclesia, and then they'll send all the culture changes. They'll send their poets, they'll send their, their teachers, their philosophers. And the aim was to change the culture of that area. And once that area became exactly as Rome was from a culture perspective, then the king of Rome would come for a service within that, that area mm. because that ecclesia has been converted. And that's what we're trying to do with our ecosystems is we're trying to change these ecosystems, the culture within these ecosystems to be kingdom culture where people are not stolen from, mm. where there's no corruption, where things are not rigged. And if we're so successful in changing the culture and the ecclesia, culture of that system of that area of that place and now it's a place that God is Jesus is ready to come down to because it's his place it's it's his kingdom and that yes it may take time but it's it starts with every interaction that we have so mm-hmm. so for me that's sort of looking forward uh you know quite ahead that's that's what we're trying to do with ecosystems is to change the culture of this country that we become a world power that people are saying Kenya is where things happen. This is what China did this, right? China closed up the, themselves from the world. They built themselves up and now they're the solution to a lot of the world's problems are solved in China, mm. which has increased their influence. So we, we have to start to do this thing in, in Kenya and Nairobi that we don't have to start looking for all these other people to solve our problems. We need to start to solve our own problems. We have to start creating our own solutions, creating our own products. We have to find a way to support each other that way. I agree with you totally. It's within us. Everything that we're seeking is within us, within our minds, within ourselves, within our, as you said, the ecosystem, and within Kenya and Africa. So as you mentioned, forward-looking. Where do you see Kenya? Where do you see yourself? And where do you see Africa in the next decade? Wow. Look, I'm an optimist. and. Mm-hmm. A man of faith. So I see, you know, Kenya and Africa, we are the springboard of the revival. And when I use the word revival, I'm not necessarily saying revival from just a spiritual perspective, but in all sense of the word, that Africa has so many things going for it. We have a very large young population. Mm-hmm. We have a massive agriculture sector. We have a lot of resources within Africa. We're going to reach a crossword as Africa where we have to take the narrative into our own hands and not allow other people to dictate how or what we should be. It goes back to the word of identity. I sense that Kenya and Africa as a whole, if we are able to reclaim our identity, yeah. we have all that we need. We have it. It's all within us in Africa. It's just that there's so many different voices. There's, there's a lot of uh, you know what? What were the, the many things that are distracting us, yeah. that are refusing us to be united? We we are a massive population with the resources and all the things that we have going for us. What it requires for us in the next twenty years, twenty to thirty years, is we need to be united. Mm-hmm. We need to say, okay, Africa, we're going to start to trade with each other. We're going to start to create infrastructure that connects. East to West Africa to Southern Africa. We're going to start having trade agreements within ourselves. We're going to start to talk as a as a block when we when we talk to China when we talk to the West. I'm saying that we're not because the thing about you know we see it even in the animal kingdom. The strategy is always divide and conquer, and that's what they've always done with Africa. We've always been divided. Mm. 
because when you divide us, you divide our influence. When we're not united, then it's easy to colonize us. And unfortunately, colonization is sort of happening a second time economically. Yes. You know, there's economic colonization where people are running, you know, corporate entities within Kenya, but with no Kenyans involved yeah. in any influential position. Yeah. Where the profits are, and resources have been extracted. You know, so we have to take the narrative. We have to take initiative of the narrative in the next, and I think it's happening and it will happen, but it requires us, it requires good leadership. But I think it just requires, you know, we just, I trust that it's, it's God is going to start to position us this way because if we're trying to look at it based on how things are, it's a bit more challenging. But if we look at it from a faith that there's certain people who are going to be raised within us. Mm-hmm. And it requires us to take those positions when they're raised and given onto us because it's not easy. You know, there's a, uh, I think a Chinese saying that says, I build a tree that I, I'll never enjoy the benefit of. Mm-hmm. And a few of us may have to start to plant trees that we may not see the experience and enjoy the shade of because it requires sacrifice. Yes. And if we change our mindset, well, we're not just thinking about today, but we're thinking about our legacy of 100 or 200 years from now. Mm-hmm. Can we start to, it's, it's a sense, it's a season of building. Yeah. Building unity, uh, you know, across, uh, you know, building uh, connections. And it's, it's, it's that time, but it's just how do we do it? And can we do it united? And if if we're not going to be united, it's going to be so difficult. So if I'm speaking in faith and optimist, I see unity in the next uh, 10 to 15 years because that's what we need. Well said. Unity, like-mindedness, and oneness to really transform this continent because there's so much potential. As you said, our continent is young. And the youth are looking for so many opportunities for them to actualize their potential. Mm-hmm. And as those people are being raised and being put in the rightful positions, may they not get scared. Even if the assignment is very challenging, may they not get scared. Yeah. So as we wind down the conversation, mm-hmm. is there anything that you may have left out and you want to share? Anything that I may have left out? Um, I think just... Maybe at the back of what you said is, I think we're in a new era where we have boldness is required of each and every one of us at every level. There's a requirement for us to be bold. You know, the Bible says to be strong and of good courage. Mm. Because you know, maybe I'll say this way. You know, when we read, you know, people read the the Bible. You know, we're very aware of the story of Moses. Mm. This is a time where you know. Uh, God spoke to Moses and he did his miracles, his signs and wonders to the Israelites to leave Egypt. And the Israelites, you know, it was a time where God was doing these great wonders and the Israelites kept watching what God was doing. And that, you know, at one part of the story, when they're crossing the Red Sea, you know, when they came to the Red Sea, the waters parted and they walked through. Mm. And that was an amazing time when God was rescuing the Israelites. But then, for Moses' time, there was a shift to the time of Joshua. And the time of Joshua, the way the time of Joshua starts is when they're crossing the Jordan. Mm-hmm. It says the priest had to first step into the water for it to pass. And the, the story of and the time of Joshua was a time where God was now using the people to change things as opposed to changing things. And the people are watching. And I said, 
that we're now in a time of Joshua where God is, he wants to use us to do things. He wants to empower us. He wants to bless us and empower us to start to cause the change that we want to see. A lot of us are praying for God to move. And God has said, I'm empowering you to do it. But we are, you know, it's like, you know, in the story of the, the 12 spies in the book of Numbers where 10 came back with a bad report saying, you know, these guys are bigger than us. They're stronger. They're faster. Mm-hmm. And God has just brought us here to die. But those are Joshua and Akalad who says, if God is with us, we can do this. And I sense that within our societies, for all the things we're talking about, this ecosystem in Africa changing, it requires Joshua's and Caleb's who believe that they're empowered. Yes, they are these giants of corruption and injustice and mm-hmm. violence that we look stronger and bigger at the time. Mm-hmm. But that's the same thing that happened. But those people at the Joshua time, they were so empowered and blessed by God that they realized, yes, these guys may look bigger than us, but we're moving with the power of God. And that gave them a, a boldness, a strength, and a stillness. And I think we need that. Because if we do it based on what our eyes see, that, you know, we look at corruption, can you say it's, it's impossible? Mm-hmm. And we, we may be like those 10, 10 spies who came with a bad report, but we have to change how we speak into this nation and say, no, it's possible. Things are going to change, not by strength, not by might, but by the Spirit of God. He's mm-hmm. going to work through us. But we're not going to be on the sidelines watching. We're not in the cinema anymore. We're, we're, we're on the field. And you know, God wants to use each and every one of us, but we have to be bold and obedient to his leading. So I think my final word is, we're no longer in the Moses season where we are watching God do stuff. Mm-hmm. We're in the Joshua season where God is using us He's using every one of us. And, you know, like Esther was told, maybe you were created for a time just as this. Yes. Just all the chaos that you're seeing, maybe it's you who'll change it. You know, it's not your brother or your sister, or your governor or your senator. Maybe God is trusting you and has empowered you to do it. But you just need to step in boldness. In Moses' time, when they had the water parted before they stepped. But for us, maybe it's once you step that you'll see the water part and a path made for you. So may you have, I sense of the last one, may you have the boldness to step before the water has parted. Hey, George, may we step. I, I, you know, sometimes you tell yourself, do I really want to take the step forward? But I think, as you've said, it's time for us to take the step forward. And for the listener out there who's, I know, shivering wherever you're sitting, God has told you, you know, do X, just be bold and take the step forward. And you'll be amazed by seeing the waters part and you'll be amazed at what you'll be able to fulfill with God with you. So with that, dear listeners, stay encouraged, stay inspired, and stay safe. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.